I kind of feel like singing too. That's a wonderful atmosphere. God bless you for all you've done to create the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit this morning. Amen. Sure it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Still a beautiful summer day out there. We enjoy these while we can, so sure is good to do that. I just want to make a couple of announcements, and then we're going to have a baby dedication. So why don't you have your seats for a moment? First of all, I just want to say that uh, next Sunday is the September long weekend. There'll be one service that'll be in the morning. Um, also coming up in Sunday in September, we're going to be resuming Sunday school. We'll make some announcements about that. And then as it's been announced this last week, we're going to have communion tonight. And so the communion, we always want to approach the table of the Lord reverently and um, we're going to also do all we can in the time that we live in. Brother Ray made mention, but there are places and churches and believers that are affected by COVID. And uh, we thank God that um, he has kept us as he has. But we don't take that lightly. And uh, we don't say that, you know, it's just the grace of God. And yet we want to do all we can. So even in the communion tonight, we are... Um, going with the approach that we took uh, where we have individual cups that we're not going from a common cup, but we want everybody that can and is willing to be able to be a part of it. So um, we, we'll, we'll do all we can in that respect. And maybe while I'm on that, I also just want to say, you know, we, we want to be mindful. Um, everybody has a conviction, everybody has a faith, and, and everybody has a, uh, an approach that they take to these things. Some people are, you know, if, if you want to wear a mask, that's up to you. If you want to, you know, even some people with a handshake. And I would just say, if, if somebody doesn't shake your hand, don't be offended. If somebody doesn't hug you, don't be offended. <laughs> Let's just be respectful. Let's recognize the time we live in. Let's be, let's, let's just give everyone their measure and, and their due. So, and even, even this morning, we have a... Um, a couple of brothers that are sick, and they, they just said, well, we don't want to risk anybody. We're not going to be here. So God bless them for that. And, uh, you know, I think we want to do our best. So let's, as we come together tonight, we're going to have the communion. We're going to do all we can. We're also going to do the foot washing, and I know that becomes a little more intimate. You know, do it with somebody you feel comfortable with, but also if you don't want to go around, hug and shake hands, everybody can. But if you do and somebody does... God bless you. You feel free to do that. Is that all right? Amen. All right. We, we just look forward, number one, to have communion with God. I, it's a symbol. It's one of the three symbols we're required to deal with. And, and it, it's a symbol not just of living a righteous life and such, but it's a symbol of a walk and a talk with God. And that's what we want to deal with a little bit today in, in our services. I also want to make an announcement. Um, uh, yesterday morning, I got a, a text. Well, Friday, I got a text from Brother Chris Jordan that him and his wife, Sister Gabby, Gabrielle, 
she was going into labor. They were going to do a C-section. So uh, yesterday morning, I got a little announcement and said they had a little girl. And... Uh, <laughs> I think I saw Brother Chris here this morning. Is he here somewhere? There he is. God bless you. So yesterday, we were out helping a few believers that are moving into the area. And I was just parked by the side, and I was just doing a text. And all of a sudden, Brother Chris drives by. So I just said, congratulations. I mean... He was beaming. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on, but I actually did. He'd sent me the text, but he was, he was very happy. They had gone through some complications, but anyway, the, the mother as well, the daughter as well, Hanny Rochelle Jordan is the name. He gave me some weight, 7 pounds, 13 ounces. He gave me a length, but it was in metric, 51 centimeters. So if all of you that want to figure that out, I'll leave you that, to that on your own. <laughs> Let's, uh, isn't it wonderful? Children are a blessing. They are the heritage of the Lord. And that's what we want to do this morning. We want to have a little baby dedication. Uh, a few weeks back, we had um, a brother contacted me, a brother Alan Clark, his wife Rebecca. They had just moved back to Canada. Well, brother Alan is from Edmonton originally. He moved out to Ontario. Um, he, he is related to the Bergner family. Uh, his mother was a, a Bergner, and uh, so that'd be indirectly a relationship to Sister Liz Stewart. But he moved out east, and then out east they had made some contact with people in South Africa, and he made a trip over there, and um, then he made another trip over there, and uh, then he moved there, he got married, he <laughs> his wife is from South Africa, but they've now moved back to Canada, they're here. And while they've been away the last little bit, they haven't had a chance to dedicate their son. So they would like to do it. Their son's a little, he's I think already 17 months old, but they hadn't had a chance, but they want to do that. And I think that's important. And I think we can take a little time for that. So as they make ready, um, are you somewhere here, Brother Allen? Do I see you? There you are. Okay. Well, why don't you come forward? We're going to just sing a song that we normally would sing, which is Bring Them In. I uh, don't want to just do that out of tradition. I thought of singing other songs, but let's just sing that one again this morning and uh, as they come forward. Bring them in, oh bring them in, bring them in from the field of sin, oh bring them in. See you, brother, brother Allen. We had a little chance to fellowship the other day. S Sister Rebecca, is that right? I did get that right. Okay. And they have their daughter with them as well. And they have their son, um, Reuben Edward. And uh, we're happy for that. I'm going to read just from the book of Mark. It's a very familiar portion of scripture, but it, everything we come comes out of the Bible. And verse 13 of Mark chapter 9, and they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. And when Jesus saw, saw it, he was much displeased, not just a little much. And he said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, forbid them not, for of such 
is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms and he put his hands upon them and he blessed them. And we just dedicate them to God. We know that a child can't make up its mind about baptism, so we don't baptize them. That they'll come to an age of accountability where they're going to have to make a decision. But until that time, we're asking God to keep this little child. We're asking God to keep the parents, to bring them into a place where they can lead them and bring them in a right way. You know, I think it was in the book of Luke when Simeon, at a, at a certain time, and Jesus was now eight days old, he was led of the Spirit. And, to, and he was led of the Spirit Here's this baby, and he makes this, he prophesies. And he says, this child is set for the rise and fall of many. And he goes on, and he doesn't stop there. And he, and he looks at Mary, and he says, and an arrow shall pierce your heart also. Because the word that she was carrying was also going to discern her. The word was also going to, to, to it was going to be a bigger part that she'd have to come to. So I, I believe this morning we're doing it. So this is um, Reuben Edward. We know Reuben was one of the sons of Jacob, the, actually the eldest. And, and all the sons of Jacob had a carnal side to them. And uh, you can read that when, when Jacob is blessing his sons in Genesis chapter 49. But then Moses also. Moses, he will come and... He will take all of those children of, of Israel, the tribes, and now he blesses them in a spiritual way. So he would say of, of Reuben in, in Deuteronomy 20, 33, verse 6, let Reuben live and not die, and let not his men be few. So he, he, he gives a spiritual blessing. I was actually Reuben when... Joseph's brothers hated him. They, they all wanted to, they put him in a pit and they wanted to sell him. Reuben wasn't among them. And when he came back, he bewailed what they've done. So there was something in Reuben that was special. And I believe the name is important. And they've taken the name of Reuben. And, and that means behold a son, Edward, which means wealth or guardian and and protector. I, I believe all these names have a meaning. So this morning we would like to dedicate Reuben. We're going to try and slip down there. Looks like his eyes are closed for now. Is he going to be okay with this? He doesn't even know I'm holding him. I hope this isn't a pattern for how the rest of the service will go. He's sleeping already. <laughs> well, wonderful to be together. God bless you for what he's gifted you. Let's just pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, if you would be here this morning, this is exactly what you would do. You would take this time for the children Lord, it was you who gave us this great example. And this morning, this family 
is wanting to, they've, they've been gifted with a life and they recognize this life is precious. And now, Lord, they want to give it back into your hands. So, Lord, as they've come together this morning, you've already given them a daughter. They have a son. And now, Lord, they're asking you to watch over Reuben, that you will be his portion all the days of his life. Lord, it doesn't look like time could go on, but if time would go on, we're asking that there would be an atmosphere created in the home, that there would be a standard that would be set, that there would be a place where he would make a decision for you. Oh Lord, we commit Reuben into your hands. You knew he would be here. You knew he would have to be here. And Lord, we're asking you to watch over him. Protect him from illness. Protect him from danger. Lord, raise up protection around them in the form of the parents, that they'll lead them in a right way. Lord, may, as he would grow older, may there be good influences in his life, good friends. Lord, may there be such an atmosphere that the angel of God that is promised to accompany these children would just be about him all the time. And Lord, for our brother Alan and Sister Rebecca, we ask that you would give them wisdom. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would help them to raise this life that you've given in the right way. Would you bless their lives? Would you bless this home, Lord? Would your hand be upon them? And Father, with so much around, we know that we can depend on you. Lord, when there's a moment that it's beyond their means and they don't have the answer, Lord, would you be there? If you would be sick and they don't know what to do, Lord, would you be there? Father, we commit this family, we commit Reuben into your hands, and we ask your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Alan, Sister Rebecca, and their family. Well, let's just, uh, while you're seated, I'm just going to, before we switch the service, I just want to make this mention. Sister Ruth, can you put up those couple of photos, if you don't mind? Um, earlier this year, we had taken a little missionary offering, um, and some of you contributed, and uh, we were able to send money for the distribution of Bibles and books, and that was going into Malawi. And uh, Malawi is a country that um, the, the book distribution had been there for a period of time, but a lot of the people are, are very poor. There's a lot of a rural-based um, uh, country, and people did not even have Bibles in some cases. So <clears throat> we worked together with a few churches. Brother Barry Coffey was in charge of the distribution. So these are just some photos. Just run through them one more time. These are some photos of the delivery of Bibles and books in, in Malawi. And then just as it's being distributed to the people, the, this is the first shipment. And Brother Barry had, had uh, let us know that there were 
400,000 sermons in production, in printing now, the 20,000 English church age books. They were also sending um, 2,500 micro SD cards in the Chichewa language for all believers. And $100,000 in Bibles have been sent into the country in the last few months. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. We thank God. Thank you, Sister Ruth. You turn the lights back on. Amen. Let's stand together. This morning, maybe as we uh, just uh, change the order a little bit, let's just sing, Here is Love, Here is Love. Can we do that? Here is love, fast as the ocean, oh loving kindness as a flood, when the prince of life are ransomed, he shed for us his precious his blood and who his love will not remember oh who can see to sing his praise oh he can never be forgotten Thank you. 
some of the most beautiful words that were ever penned. Today we're going to take a little time to prepare for the communion, but we want to reflect on what he's done for us. Can we just bow our heads in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we come to this part of the service, and Lord, it's a Sunday, we have forms, we come in, we sit down, we sing songs. But now, Lord, help us to shut things out. Help us to enter into that place with you. Lord, we want to invite the Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, it's beyond Brother Ed or beyond any one of us here. But Lord, we want you to take this service. And Lord, we ask that your presence would be so welcome. Father, words cannot express sometimes we're far from it but oh God all that you are all that you mean to us we want to honor you this morning we invite you now to come into the reading of the word take the services today Lord, take us as a congregation into your hands. Some that are sick, that couldn't be here today. Oh Lord, would you just meet them in their homes, in their places. And now Lord, we give the day into your hands, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you to the musicians, thank you Brother Ray. Let's go to the book of 1 John chapter one. 1 John chapter one. I'm just going to read all of this as just a basis for where we're going. And I said, with thoughts of communion, I want you to consider this now. John was the only one of the disciples that was there to see the crucifixion. And John records some of the most intimate parts of the Bible. And it was John who was on the Isle of Patmos. So associated with all that John had, there was a fellowship, there was a communion. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. John summarizes this in chapter one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Now that was all in the person of Jesus Christ. Now that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light 
and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So if, if you would have a gospel that would say, um, Jesus died on the cross so that you may be forgiven, and he knows you can't live it, but he forgives you anyway. That's not walking in light. Because the one that died on the cross came back into the church in order that we could live what we believe. And he says in verse, uh, in verse uh, let's just read verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I'll stop the reading there. You may have your seats. Now, I'm going to come back to that a little bit. Uh, but I'm just going to go now back to John, uh, John chapter 14. So I'll, I'll skip those other scriptures. I'll come back to them. John chapter 14. I want to just pick this up this morning. And we're familiar where Jesus, you know, John, as I said, is recording some of the most intimate moments. Everything from John chapter 14 happened just after John 13. Wow, big revelation there. Uh, but in John chapter 13, that was when Judas left him. That was when uh, Jesus would, would, would know who was going to betray him. And he, he began to speak to them, and he, and he began to, to do things. But now it's these remaining disciples that are hearing these things. So Jesus tells them, and, and this is not really the first part, but I'll, I'll pick it up from verse 3. He tells them about a place he's going to prepare. And he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now he's speaking that not of the future, because now he says this, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Now, God had a law. And in God's law, it demanded a certain level of life and, and respect and ordinances and the way we live. But under the first covenant, man could not live that. And, and, and no man, and God couldn't just say, okay, I'll just make a way for you anyway. God came to make the way himself. He says, I know you can't do it, but I'm going to help you with it. So he says this in verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. And Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the father. It sufficeth us. And Jesus said unto him, have I been so long time with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the father, 
And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Brother Branham would summarize this in, in a simple way. He always says, I thought God hated me, but Jesus loved me. But I came to find out that the very heart of God was Jesus Christ expressed. So this is, this is where we're, we're going to go a little bit this morning. I want to go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. This is a portion of scripture that was one of the most referenced by Brother Branham. And it talks about the woman at the well. And he would start the, the scripture. I won't read all of this, but verses 1 to 5 gives the setting how that uh, he's in a certain place in Samaria on a certain parcel of ground and he sends his disciples away and at that time there comes a woman unto him. So in verse 6, he says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied of his journey sat at the well. It was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria, there comes a woman to draw water. Now if I could just... Brother Max preached on, on, on Wednesday, and I thought how we need to enter in. It's so easy. Uh, we've heard some of these scriptures so often. It's so easy. Yeah, I know that. And, and we don't enter in. But let's enter in this morning. And, and, and so this woman, if she was alive today, it would be a woman that a lot of us would pass by. Because... We would esteem her not to be at the level that we are at. But Jesus went to this woman, and it was a woman who was not even of the Jewish race, but it was a woman of Samaria. And it was a woman who had to come to the well at a certain time because she couldn't come with the other woman because of her lifestyle. So, but... And Jesus sent them all away. So this was all a divine purpose. And this woman and Jesus begins to talk, give me a drink. Now, while I'm saying this, Brother Branham, just before he comes to a prayer line, he would often reference this. And he brought it to present tense. And people that would come in the prayer line. Because what happened to this woman is happening again today. And it happened in Brother Branham, but I would say it's not limited to that. So I want, to, want us just to think about this. And so she com he comes and this woman, he give me the drink. And verse 9, the woman says, you're a Jew. You're asking me to drink. I'm a woman of Samaria. We have no dealings. It's not politically correct. Don't you understand this? And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God... And who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you would ask of him, give me, and he would give you living water. And the woman's now catching a sir. So the atmosphere is warmed. She's, there's not this separation. She's, okay, sir, that, 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 that spoke to me. 
I don't have anything to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence hast thou this living water? Are you greater than, than our father Jacob, who gave, who gave us this well and drank thereof and his children's cattle? And Jesus said, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Verse 14. Now look at the heart of God. He's wanting to have fellowship with her. Now, you, you can see this sometimes in relationships. There's, there's relationships, whether they're out of the church or in the church. Sometimes in a relationship, there's one that has a great love for the other one. And the other one maybe doesn't reciprocate it back as much. It doesn't mean as much or doesn't do that. And no matter how much the one would try, until that other one would come to it, it's not fully comes to its place. And this morning we could say, I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you. I, I, I want you. But truthfully, he wants us more than we want him. He pursues us more than we pursue him. He's after us. He's desiring fellowship. He's desiring, and now God is expressing this in this example here. And he says, whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall, shall be in him a well of water springing up to everlasting life. And the woman says, sir, give me this water. You don't know how hungry I am. Now this is a woman who's in failed relationships, who's living a questionable life, and, 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 and Jesus begins to go deeper. And he says, call your husband. I have no husband. I'm just summarizing quickly. True, you've had five, and the one you're with now is not your husband. And now something's really moving in another realm. And in this other realm, she, and she says, Sir, verse 19, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem, that is the place where men ought to worship. Now, he never said that. She thought that. That was the perception that was created. That, that perception still created. You've got to be under this man, under this doctrine, under this sect, under this. No, God can have fellowship with anyone, anywhere, anytime. It's under the blood. That's our fellowship. That's what you prayed this morning, Brother Bob. And then he says, Jesus says, woman, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. It won't be by what you think in your heart. It won't be unless you see our doctrine. You worship, you know what, not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes that when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is breaking down a lot of barriers. This is crossing, as I've been speaking on, a lot of borders. It's actually God moving outside the regular channel. But it was him that was initiating it. And the woman says, I know when the Messiah comes, that's the Christ. He'll tell us these things. And Jesus said, I, I, that he that speaks unto thee, I that speak unto thee am he. Then, and it just so happened, and then came his disciples. Right at that time. And they marveled. Now, these are the followers, the religious followers. But they marveled. They, they couldn't perceive. You know, he called me. 
I know I was an ignorant fisherman. I know I was a tax collector. But how dare he go down to that woman? I'm talking about fellowship with one another this morning. I'm talking about fellowship with God this morning. I, and so, listen, spirits don't die. We get that way. Sometimes we get a little lofty. We measure ourselves. My sin is not as bad as that sin. Pardon me, any sin is, is, is necessary, penalty is death. So before we get to thinking, I'm not as bad as so-and-so, we're all on an equal playing ground this morning. Every one of us is subject to death. No one is more righteous than another. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all filthiness. That's the only thing we have going for us. So can we break down a few of those walls this morning? When we approach the communion, we examine not our brother, not our sister. We examine ourselves. We look at ourselves. And to look at ourselves, you're not going to make it either. But you need to see a greater one. And that's the reason that we even have fellowship today. How many... Uh, I, I got I, to watch how I re, re, put this question. I could ask the question and say, how many didn't sin this week? And if any hands would come up, I wouldn't want to embarrass you. <laughs> but let me ask the question first this way. How many had fellowship with the Lord this week? Now, if I ask the first one again, how in the world did you have that fellowship? If he wouldn't have opened the door to you by the blood, you would not have had fellowship. So our fellowship, I guess I didn't even put the title up, but I'll get to it. And I'm just speaking on the way of divine fellowship this morning, if we give that a title. So this woman, now as the disciples come, they marvel. And then they saw that he talked with them. And yet no man said anything to him, but these were their thoughts. What seekest thou? Why are you talking with her? Like those... In, in, in the thought world, those were all around. Yeah, they were. So before we get too sophisticated and, and too self-righteous, this morning we're coming to a place where it's nothing except the blood. And the woman went her way and went to the city. He left her water pot and said, Come see a man that told me all the things I ever did. Is this not the Christ? So the whole purpose of this thing was that there could be a realm of fellowship, a communion that it would exist. Now move ahead to chapter 17, John chapter 17. You know, it's interesting that this is the most intimate prayer that Jesus is recorded, but John must have been privy to it somewhere. It was John and James and Peter that were the disciples that were there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and yet they fell asleep. They, they, they didn't enter into it, but somehow this prayer was recorded. Now, I want you to look at the attitude of Jesus Christ on earth and the days of his flesh, and, he, and he's beginning to speak. The language here is, is amazing because you, in one way you could say, well, he's talking to God up there, but it was the God that was in him, and yet we were included too. So he would, he would just begin to talk about the hour he's living. In verse 3, he will say, and, and, uh, and he'd say, this is life eternal, 
that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Drop down to verse 5. And now, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Now, I'm, I'm going to, if you take this language, you can almost make it sound like there's two persons, but there wasn't two persons. And, 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 and we know it wasn't three persons either. And, and there's, there's many scriptures, and that's not the purpose today. But the purpose is, there was a glory that Jesus had before he ever came to earth. There was a fellowship of, of the presence of God, the Spirit of God. He left that all. And he came down to this place where you and I were, where fallen man was, where we couldn't help ourselves. Remember, in the order of God, from botany life to animal life to human life and to the sons of God, and there, there could never be botany life can't lift itself to animal. It can't lift itself to human. But it takes something higher to come down to bring us up. So he had to come down to lift us up. So he would begin to, to speak this way. Glorify me with the, which I had. Now, if I back up to verse 4, he said, I've glorified thee on earth. I've finished the work which you gave me to do. Then in verse 6, I've manifested thy name unto the men which you gave me. Thine they were. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. So he begins to talk in a level where he's, he's now talking about, I, can't, I left this, but I'm coming back to this. But I'm coming back not empty. Yeah. I've done what you've asked me to do. You know, it was Jacob that, that left the inheritance because of how he cheated Esau. It was, it was to be given to him. Esau gave it up. But it was Jacob who left and he went back to, to his country. And he went with nothing. He had nothing. But he came back with a wife. Well, actually two. But he came back with a wife. Jesus came down, he gave, he became nothing, but he comes back with a people, with a wife. He comes back not empty, but he comes back to fulfill what he had been manifest for. Now, it, it, would, it would go on further if I, I want to just pick up a couple of parts of this. And I'm going to drop down to verse 13. Now I am come to thee. These things I speak in the world that they may have my joy in themselves. Verse 16. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Verse 18. As thou hast sent me into the world even so I have sent them into the world. And now verse 19. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Now, I, 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 as I'm going this, I'm, I'm trying to break through something. You know, we, we meet people, and, and we, we'll, we'll meet people around the message, and we'll say a common phrase, and I say it, others say it, how long have you been in the message? As if, as if it's just an association, and that... By just walking through the doors into a message church, you're in it. No, I, it's a lot deeper than that. And, and I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to belittle that. Or we can just say, you got to be in the word. 
as if it's like just following rules and regulations. It's not that either. It's when did he, the eternal one, meet with you and you recognize this is him. And it's not just in an old way of, uh, of under a past move of, of some manifestation of gifts. And No, it's in a deep personal way. And you now have communion. A lot of people come in the message and all they do is promote Brother Branham, Brother Branham, Brother Branham. But someplace you've got to say, have you met the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you met the Prince of Life? Because Brother Branham can't save you. Now he's a part of the light that is shed in this day. But the main one is the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm, 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 I'm working towards that. And it's, it's not in us keeping ordinances as we approach the communion. Well, I had a pretty good week. Therefore, I think I'm going to do take the communion. You could have fallen flat on your face. But if the blood of Jesus Christ is there and you have fellowship with him, you can have communion because that's what it is. It's an ordinance. And not just being righteousness is going to do it. Not your own good works, my own good works, my position, your position. It, it's going to be one thing alone. And the communion just speaks of something beyond just coming to an ordinance. Now, I'll, I'll maybe just read this in, in John 17 as we close this portion of it. Some of you thought we were going to close already. <laughs> I could see your heads lift up. Some are going, close? He said close? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I caught that. <laughs> okay, there we go. Oh, let's go on. Let's not stop here right now. So his desire that intimacy, because now he's in the flesh, but that intimacy that was in heaven, he left the ramparts of glory. Remember, Jesus was the only one that came direct from theophany to flesh. We bypassed our theophany. But he came direct from theophany. So if you can think about it this way, he, he had heard the cries of the angels or the worship. Glory, glory. But now he came to earth and he's hearing Beelzebub, Beelzebub. But he came to that level. Now think about that as, as we, because we, it's, our righteousness is not in ourselves. It's in the Lamb. It's in the perfect one. It's in the one that, that gave everything for us. And so he, he left those things. He was the fountain of knowledge. But he came to earth to have his mother teach him. Taking a human brain. Now one plus one equals two. He didn't know that as a child. But he put himself into that form. Now think about what it cost him. Because it's not, it's not just the cross. The cross is the epitome of it. But he could have just said, I'll die for them, but I'll just do it in a, you know, an accidental shooting where I don't suffer much. But he came down. He wanted to, because his work was not finished like the work was finished at the cross in one sense, but there was an 
an intermediary that had to go out. There was one that had to know what you and I went through. There was one that had to experience rejection. There was one that had to experience human pain because he also had an office that he was going to fulfill where he was going to be the high priest of our confession. And, he, and when you would say, I ache, Lord, I ache, he says, I know what that's like. Now I know. And in order to be a faithful high priest, he had to come to this level. So let's, let's keep moving this way. Now, he says, verse 24, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory that they, thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known me, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I've declared thy name unto them and will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Okay. Now, God had a law back in the Garden of Eden when, when man fell. Now, my, my thoughts are, Brother Branham had several messages in this vein of thought. He'd say God's provided way of approach to fellowship and uh, he would take some thoughts and he would read from 1 John chapter 7 where we read from. He would also read from Numbers chapter 19. And I won't, won't go to that, but that, that was the, 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 the heifer that was there and the ashes of the heifer, the washing of the word. But when they fell in the Garden of Eden, and it was, must have been a terrible blow to see the owner, the his son, and to see his daughter in the garden, and to see how Satan had defiled it, and yet God could have said, ah, you know what, that's just a little scratch, but his very being was, he could not deny himself. He was the word. He had put the command out, the day you eat thereof is the day you die, and he had to fulfill, otherwise he wouldn't be God, and so God has a penalty and so when those laws are broken and there's no penalty to it, you have to pay for it somewhere. And, and, he, and Brother Bram says in, in the message, Oncoming Storm, he says, now what is sin? Many people think smoking cigarettes is a sin. Lying is a sin. Committing adultery. Those are attributes of unbelief. These things are you, you do because you're an unbeliever. You're either one of two things, a believer or an unbeliever. And he says, you have too much sometimes you can have a profession, but you don't even have the love of God to go with it. The Bible said so. You've got too much of a possession without a possession of it. Amen. I was just talking with a brother the other day and said, sometimes it's sad to say that people that are out in, in sometimes denominational circles, they can have more fruit of the Spirit than sometimes the ones who are right in our ranks. Amen. Sometimes we get so hard and I will say this, God will, like the God that shut the door to the ark, God will judge the world around us. But, but and it's not just lovey-dovey I'm talking about, but I'm saying just to be real. Because when God died for the human race, he didn't just die for the bride only. But he died for the, those that would not be a part of the bride. 
He died for whomsoever will. He's a good God. So if we just say, well, it's just me, exclusive club, that's it. Thank God that he's called you to this, but that does not entitle us to an attitude to everything else around us as being nothing. Sometimes, Brother Brown made the same mistake. Yeah. Brother Brown made a mistake? Yes. In a cafe, when he looked at a, at a policeman with his arms around a woman, and he said, oh God, why don't you smite that whole works off the earth? And God said, come here, I'm going to correct you. Your thinking isn't right. Your attitude isn't right. God help us. That, that we might be, as Paul said, that we might have a good profession to them that are without. That we don't just behave one way in church and another way somewhere else. Another way at home. Another way that your children at home. That's the God that you serve. That's not a God that I want. Let's be real Christians. I preach to myself too. I need, all of us need to just say, Lord, keep dealing with us. Keep washing us. Keep moving us. Now, under, so what Brother Ryan would say in the message, oneness, when they did what God didn't command them, their fellowship with one another was broken. Not only with God was it broken, but their fellowship with one another was broken. And it was God that provided skins. The skins were only the symbol of the blood that was shed. Now God was the first one to ever kill anything. Now, I hope that doesn't shock you. But God killed an animal life and it would be a substitute for a period of time. And it would be a covering for a period of time. But it would not do away with the nature. It would not do away with the desire to do wrong. Which, when, when, when that was broken, the innocency that Adam and Eve had, now they were bombarded by fear and by thoughts and by all of these things. And the nature to do wrong only would grow worse. Because we live in this world, and here Jesus is referring to it in John 17, but we're not of this world. We're, we're not going to make it by, by our knowledge of what's right and wrong to do. We're only going to make it because we have Jesus Christ who said he would come back in John chapter 14. I'll come back. I'll be in you. I'll be with you even to the end of the world. Not another, not a third person, but the very same one. The very one that came out of the bosom of God, the heart of God, came down, lived a, sinful, lived a, a life like unto sin, sinless as he was, but took the penalty of death. Yeah. Oh, the, the quote that, that we've shared a few times out of who is this Melchizedek. God came down, died the death, and he said that he could get into the church and cleanse it for fellowship. If that isn't the gospel story. He didn't just come that we could die, that we could point to Calvary, come up and have communion, whatever time that we have it, and just say, I, you know, he knows I can't quite live it, but you know, if I, if I just do this and I accept the message. No, he wants to live in us. He wants to express himself. He wants us to be overcomers. Amen. You know, the eagle anointing was the most intimate anointing. And it was the seventh church age that he was trying to get back into the church. He wanted fellowship. Okay, I, I got to move on to 1 John chapter 3. Let's go back there for a minute. 1 John chapter 3. Now, John starts out with the eternal one. 
Let me, let me just read this under God's provided approach to divine fellowship. What the church needs is a fellowship under the blood of the Lord Jesus. I've stood by a bedside and watched some die with a cold handshake. I've seen them stand, also stand there and die, shouting the praises of God because they had fellowship. They knowed where they were standing. Don't ever try to get to God under, out of anything other than the fellowship with God, which is under the blood. Now, when the cross happened, if I can put it this way, I don't know if you've ever had, we had our, our phone service provider, uh, which was, also did our cable and internet, and they said, we can sell you a package price. Not just phone service, but you can have cable. And not just cable, you can have access to all these television programs. And you can have access to all of this. And, you can, and I'm going, I don't want the full package. But it's our best value. Sorry, I don't want that package. I just want what I need. Now, when God came on Calvary, he also offered a full package. The package wasn't just forgiveness of sins, but by his stripes, we are healed. And not only that, he offered us fellowship. And he offered us that he would be an intercessor. And he offered us, I'll be with you, I'll comfort you, I'll do all of these things. It's the full package. So it's not just looking back to a day 2,000 years ago, but it's recognizing him at work today. Now, so John chapter 1, John starts speaking here, and he says, the eternal, the, li- the life which was from the beginning. Now, you just if I'm, I'm using this to preface it, the disciples of that day, they had to make a change, or they had to shift their eyes, or as I called it, cross a border. And the border they had to cross is the one that they drank with, ate with, walked with, had dust on their shoes, They had to watch that one die. They had to see him ascend, come back, and move into a book of Acts. Unseen in the same way. And not all make the transition that easy. But but it was a necessary transition. Because it wasn't, if it it was all finished, what if we just had the four, four gospels and that was it? What if we didn't have the book of Acts? What if we didn't have Paul, the first church age messenger? What if we didn't have John on the Isle of Patmos? And who was it in all of those things? The same one that walked on earth, walked in many membered vessels. So he says here, the eternal life, it was manifest. We declare it unto you. And that you can have fellowship. And this is the message, now now going down to, to verse He says that God is light and in him is no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, we do not the truth. Now, it's interesting that John, who was at the foot of the cross, who then afterwards wrote 1 John, who afterwards wrote the book of Revelations, did not major on saying, I was at the cross. And it's the cross, it's the cross, it's the cross, it's the cross. But he actually, the cross is a symbol. It's... The Catholics, they have a crucifix, but they, that, that's not theirs. I think, Brother Blaine, you said that the other day. It's not theirs. It, it belongs to all of us. Listen, I could show you pictures of wrappers that wear a cross. 
If it's just the wooden cross or the symbol of it, it's not that. But it's what does it hold to you and what does it mean to you in what you're doing now? So at the cross, it, it was more than, than just that. So John doesn't say this. Now, notice the language of John because he's saying God is light. There's no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship and we walk in darkness, in other words, if you say you got the cross but you're walking in darkness, your faith is in vain. There's nothing to back it up because the one that you believe that died hasn't obviously come back in you to live in you. So it's not good enough just to be identified with the cross. It, he, you have to see the cross as a continuation that's in you. Hey, if it's just about this life, then let's go in, let's live, eat, and be happy for tomorrow we die. But we recognize the life that was on the cross has come back into the church. Therefore, we live our lives not according to time and mortality, but we live them with the eternal value. Hattie Wright gave up, almost wanted to give up everything for the church offering and building project. And, and then Brother Branham wants to even hold her back. But God would not allow Brother Branham to even hold it back said, because what she's giving with regard to eternity will be given back to her in this life. Now, if we could conduct our lives that way, that we don't just measure by what we gain and, you know, like so-and-so did this and so, but if we do things without consideration of reward, without consideration of things, but we do them with the eternal thought in mind, and not because uh, I want a reward, but because Christ lives in me. You know, and they asked Brother Branham in the tax case, did you give this money? Why did you do that? So I don't know. The Bible says, let not your right hand know what your left hand's doing. I just did it out of the goodness of my heart. I'll tell you what, the righteous that'll be gathered on that day, Matthew 25, they'll say, Lord, when did we go to you in prison? When did we visit you when you were sick? When did we do this? He said, in so much as you did it to one of my little ones. Now, so let's, let's move this beyond just that event, if I can do that. So he says, John says, if, if we have fellowship with him, walk in dark, we lie. But if we walk in the light. Now, it's funny that he mentions light first, fellowship, and the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Now, he's not referring to just the blood that, that um, is part of your redemption or your atoning, but it's a cleansing. In other words, I said it earlier, I said, how many of you had fellowship? Well, you had fellowship, but sometimes you had fellowship because God came in. Sometimes you may have said something that you didn't even know was offensive to someone, and God says, I'll overlook that till they come to it. You can have what's called the sin of omission. The sin of omission is, I should have prayed for that person, but I didn't. That's the sin of omission. You, you can have the sin of ignorance. I didn't even know I was doing wrong. But in that moment when you didn't know and when you admitted, there was Jesus Christ standing as an intercessor for you. He was there until you come to it. And, and when you come to the knowledge, you say, oh my, 
Lord, forgive me for what I said and what I did. And Lord, I want to live better. Now come in me and live better. That's a part of the work of grace. That's a part of the work of the cross. Thank God that he's there for us. Okay, I'm going to jump ahead quickly. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write unto you that, if we, that we, you sin not. Now, I should have actually prefaced this in verse 8 of chapter 1. He said, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if you're coming here today and say, yeah, I had maybe a little thing here or there, but no, we all sinned. We all sinned. And we need an advocate. We need a propitiation. We need somebody. And he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. Now, John uses all of that and he goes right into chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things say unto you that you sin not. So don't use it as an excuse, but move forward. He says, now if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Now, that word advocate is actually also in the book of John. But if you, if you read it, and, and it, what it means is it's a comforter. It's someone, someone who is called to one side, who pleads another's cause before a judge, counsel for defense, a legal assistant, an advocate, an intercessor. We sing the song, uh, cover me. Cover me when I'm hurting. Cover me when I'm not strong. There's a lot of times when you don't even have the words. When you're, you're something in you. But at that moment, Jesus Christ is standing for you. And we ought to thank him. Lord, you, you held me in my weak points. You picked me up. When I, and you put me on a solid rock. But he's there for you. He wasn't just there 2,000 years ago. He's there through your days, through your weeks. He's there for you through what you're going through right now. Do you believe this this morning? Yeah. How many times would, go, would if, if he wasn't there, how many times this week would we have felt the wrath of God? But there was a bumper. The blood. Why? He's there. He's pleading your cause. He's saying, Lord, I, I call them out of the sin they still have these issues, but I'm working with them. I'm going to send an evangelist, and, he, and he's going to preach a certain word, and it's going to help them. Lord, don't, don't, don't give up on them yet. That's our God. Amen. He knows where we're at. You, you, we can think we're, we're up there, and sometimes we're here, until we, you know, we can have this viewpoint that we see ourselves as more than we are or as less than we are. But God wants us to see him as he sees us. That's the eagle anointing, the, the perfect eyesight. So he says, it's one who pleads your case. Oh, if Jesus would have said, you know what? Either you believe me or you're toast. No, but he said, I'll come with you. I'll be your helper. 
I know you, you can't even argue with the devil, but I'll put my life in you and you'll just believe and you'll walk and you'll put the devil to shame by your walk and your talk. You know what the greatest, you know the greatest privilege we have is to come before the Father and say, Father, forgive me by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know what we can do with one another when we've offended a brother or a sister? You know the greatest thing we can do is we can come to them in humility and say, forgive me. I, 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 I was all worked up and I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have done that. And, and it's not demanded either. It's asked. It's, it's in humility. Well, you know, the Bible says that we should forgive one another, so you know that you've got to forgive me, so you better forgive me. Leave your forgiveness at home. That's not how we approach it. But you approach it as I'm guilty. And unless I get forgiveness with my brother or my sister, God's not going to forgive me. The attitude whereby you go to them and they give, forgive you. And listen, it's a two-way street. You can ask for forgiveness. And on the other side, yeah, I guess I have to. No. As Jesus forgave me, so I'll forgive you. And you know, the minute you do that, there's a release. The record, and I'll tell you what, you feel it inside. You know it inside. When you don't know it, there's still something there. You, you know it's there. Sometimes you have to pray a lot harder. It doesn't happen overnight. But oh God, help us. That the love, the fellowship that we're desiring to have with God will also be prevalent among one another because it's a many-membered body. This is 1 John chapter 7. I'm sorry if this is very simple this morning, but this is on the level that we need to come to with the approaching the communion. Because the communion doesn't make you righteous. It's an act showing this is what I'm living, Lord. And where I'm not living, help me to live a little higher. Is that all right? Okay, so now, let's, let's take that for a moment. And, and we're, we're just moving along with this. Where am I at here? Okay. I need to, to move. Okay, go with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter... Uh, sorry, keep that for a minute. Let me finish this. First John chapter 2. My little children, these things say unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate. So I dealt with the advocate, one that's called to one side, called to be there. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, if there isn't a blood... Then those that come to the white throne judgment, now they didn't accept the benefit of the blood in the hour, in their time capsule they lived in, but there's still a place for them. Now that place wouldn't exist if there wasn't a sacrifice. Oh, we ought to thank God. You know, if, if you've been called to this and you really have experienced grace, you will not be pointing at others. Oh, Look at that in the message, and look at those people, and look at that. It's there, I, I grant it. But if you're looking down with disdain, you, we haven't really received grace yet. Amen. God give us grace. 
And if you have grace for one another, God has grace for you actually. It's funny how that works. Okay, so this, this whole thing of an advocate. Now, also if I can, I want to just take this word propitiation. Because a propitiation is something, someone that stands in, in, in your place uh, before God. He, he appeases the wrath of God. Now, here's what Brother Branham would say. He says, God's pen, God has a law, but a law without a penalty is not a law. See? When God begins to wave something before you and tell you that it's, you're wrong, you break the law of God warning you, then the penalty is, must be paid. The wages of sin is death. If a man transgresses God's law and continues to do it, then don't blame God if something happens to you. Mm. So, if you're lost, you cannot say it was God's fault. I've often said this, a man literally fights his way to hell. You cannot go to hell easy. He has a hard time getting to hell, but he fights his way into it. Now, he, he brings this right down to our conscience and our realms. He says, you boys, do you remember the first cigarette you smoked? You know, you were afraid your mama was going to smell it on your breath. You, had, you went and got some coffee and tried to mask it, but mama still came to you and said, let me smell your breath. <laughs> now, let, let me ask you, all of that working out that's the same as Adam trying to put a fig leaf in, in the Garden of Eden. It's not going to cover it. You can get the strongest, deepest roast of coffee, but it's not going to cover it. And then he goes and says, now, do you remember the first lie you told? A little, little red light began to tell you, tell the truth, be honest, little boy, mama taught you to do that, but you fight your way through that barricade and a red light. Do you remember the first time you trifled on your girlfriend or you sassed your wife or your wife sassed your husband? Do you remember the time you sang, uh, you heard that at, the hymn sang at church and something beat at your heart and you just shook yourself and say, no, nah, I'm not going to enter in. Now look at, he's gone from smoking cigarettes to singing hymns in churches all in one breath. Listen. We are, we were, the world is sinners by nature, but only Christians sin. Because it's not our nature if you're born again to sin. And your nature is to come back to fellowship. And if we sin, we have an advocate. We have a God. If, if we're ignorant about something, we have God. But don't go and take grace and misuse it. Brother Branham, does that, what does it mean when I raise my hand? You defy every law. You raise your hand up, it shows you made a decision. I now accept Jesus as Savior. I did wrong. Did you know it's a spirit in you doing it? You cannot do it yourself? I'll tell you what. I battle my flesh. You battle your flesh. But the hardest thing we have to do is to subject our flesh to the life that is in us. And it's always there. You know, it, it, it comes up. It's church time. Well, this happens, this happens. And it's so easy to say, ah, I'll just stream. And I, I don't want to belittle that. There's, thank God for that. But on the other hand, ah, I got to get to the mall because that sale is going to be. 
Ask yourself the question, do you fight as hard to get to church as you do to get to the mall for the sale? That, that's a good question to ask. I think there's times the flesh says, I don't want to get dressed and get up and get to church ahead of time. I don't want to enter in. Like you might get there, but I don't. Listen, I'll tell you what. That's a battle we have. I have. It's like the man said to his wife, I don't want to go to church. Dear, you have to go. They're depending on you. They want you to see you there. I don't want to. They, they, they always say things against me and they do things against me. And she say, honey, you have to go. You're the pastor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. Do you think, God, every one of us has a battle to get to church sometime. Okay, I, I use that one on, my, on ourselves. Brother Harold, you went through this battle too. So I know you did. Hey, there's a lot of times we used to have a room that we could escape. You know, and you'd feel like crawling out and just hiding in that room after the service. That didn't come across the way I thought. That wasn't the... But the word's got to go out. Not every service is what you should be, but thank God, you'll only see the value down the road. I'm, I, I need to stay with my thought here. And I'm, I'm taking it into tonight, so I'm just I'm getting to a place here. Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Let's pick it up from verse 17. For he testified, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and the profitableness thereof. Now, he's comparing the Levitical priesthood with the priesthood of Melchizedek. Now remember, it was Abraham, when he met Melchizedek and he saw eternal life, what was what Abraham did? He wanted to have communion. And so when eternal life comes, I want that communion with it. So now he says this, he says, verse 19, for the law made nothing permit, Perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God, and insomuch as not without an oath he was made a priest. For those priests were not made without an oath, but this with, it, with an oath which the, God said to him, The Lord swear and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And then he drops this in verse 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. Now, so the person that lived in Melchizedek, the eternal life, that Abraham came, who was blown in, blown out, came, came out, made himself real on, the back, on, a, on a desert one day to Sarah, made himself real through the Bible, and then became Jesus Christ, that person was going to be, and he didn't come back, that person was going to, to, to be the one that was going to come into the church. And it said Jesus was made a surety. Now, a surety is a person who takes responsibility for another person's performance when he is unable. So in other words, if you go and you need a mortgage or a loan or something, you will go and get a co-signer if you don't qualify. And the co-signer will say that if he doesn't meet the obligations, it's on me. 
I'll take care of it. So Jesus was going to become the surety. So there was going to be some times in our lives where we were going to stumble, when it didn't look like we were going to make it. But at that moment, Jesus set up and stood, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I will stand for them. I know that they're good for it because there's a seed in them and they'll come to it. But until then, I'll stand for them. I will take their penalty on me. So now he's a surety for us. Now it's, I'm, I'm going to just wind down. We're coming up to 12 o'clock and I want to pick some of this up. But Brother Branham would, would take the message and it's unveiling of God. And he would use the phrase in Morphe, how God would change his form or his, his mask and he would, he would do it and he would begin to say, it's hidden, he's the unseen made visible, and he said he changed his mask like in a drama, and he would act out several parts. So the Messiah, if you took the Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah, compare it to the life of Jesus, you get exactly who Jesus was. He was not an ordinary man, he was God, he was amorphe, he was changed from the supernatural into the natural form. So I'll use this scripture, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And Paul, I'll just go directly. He, does, he tells us how we should conduct ourselves in verses 1 to 4. But in verse 5 he says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now that's wonderful. We like to focus on those first verses, 5 and 6. But here's verse 7. Voluntarily, not because somebody forced him, in a way of humility, he made himself of no reputation. He took on him the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, if you think about this, God who filled all time and space. He was everything. He was the omnipotent one. He was everything. But he says, I'm going to empty myself. And I'm going to pour myself into a little human body. I'm going to become a baby. I'm going to become a baby that needs to be spoon-fed. I'm going to become a baby that has to come to learning. I'm going to give myself a human brain. Now Jesus, in that form, while well, he, he, he had to learn, he had to come to things, but he put himself right where we were at. Okay, I need to make this more real. Brother Branham made it more real with this little story. And he would say in the message, this is in the message unveiling of God. He said, I was reading a story. And it may, it may have been uh, a little fiction, but it was a great noble king. And it'll give us a background on what we want to say, the unveiling of God. He said, this king was such a noble king. He was such a great lover of his subjects. One day he stood before his guard and he said, today you will see me for the last time for many years. And his guard and his noble said, good king, what, why do you say that? Are you going to a foreign country somewhere? No. He said, I'm staying right here. 
Now I'm going to go out among my subjects. I'm going to become a peasant. I'm going to cut wood with the woodchopper. I'm going to till the ground with the toiler. I'm going to prune the vines with those who prune the vines. And I'm going to be one of them in order to get better acquainted with them and what they're doing. I love them. And I want to be more acquainted with them personally. They won't know me. I won't wear my kingly robes. I will be like one of them. I want to be acquainted with them. And the next morning when his delegates and all the people saw him and all the ones that were in the palace, he took off his crown. He laid it on the seat, on the throne. He took his robe off. He put on peasants' clothes and he walked out among the common people. Now I don't know if we can understand what God did when he made this decision. Because he had the glory of the angels. He had all of creation. He had the solar system. He had everything. But he said, I'm going to leave it. And I'm going to come down. Now, I, I don't know if we can begin to capture this a little bit. I, I'm going to give myself this human brain. I, I'm, I have got all knowledge of how I made things, but I'm going to put myself in this form. And remember, Jesus, they ask him, you know, will you allow my son to be on the throne? And he said, that's not given to me. I, that's, that's not the dispensation I'm living in. And then he'd say, uh, you know, what, what hour are you coming? He says, no man knows this. He didn't even know. So he put these limits. He crossed the threshold. He crossed the border and he came down to this level. And he said, now I'm going to be there. I, I'm going to know what it's like to suffer a headache. I'm going to know what it's like to be rejected. I'm going to know what it's like to, to go through pain and suffering. I'm going to know all of these things. And I use this analogy because he came from theophany to flesh. No doubt somewhere in his mind it came back to him. All the worship of the angels. And here he's before Pilate. And he hears, crucify, crucify. You talk. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. Whatever position you're at, can you step down to go to a lower position? That's not easy. Some, I'll tell you what, we have no excuse. We think, I've never been through a situation nobody's gone through. Yes, there is. There's one. He came from glory. He came to the lowest place. He took the form of a servant. He made himself like a man. He, he subjected himself to all of these things. And he did all of that. And, and he allowed himself to be hurt. He allowed stripes to be whipped on him. That's to me what makes him God. He didn't do this because he was part of a trinity and it was the Father sent. No, this was God himself that laid down his glory, that stepped down and says, I'll become one of them. So this is just a little story that Brother Branham tells us, but I think you ought to catch a picture. And he says, I love you. I will remain king, but I want to know them. And that's what Jehovah God did. He might suffer. He might taste death. He might know the sting of death. He might take the penalty of death. He laid aside his crown and his robe. He washed feet with the lowly. 
Let's never get so high. We can't do what he did. If he lives in us, we ought to be able to move down. He dwelt in tents with the poor. He slept in the woods and the streets with those who were underprivileged. He became one of us that he might understand us better, that we might understand him better. Now I want you to think he had everything, but now he comes to his end and he's there on the cross. He's about to cross over. He suffered pain, he suffered rejection. And in those moments, he looks down and he sees John. And he says to John, behold your mother. And she says, and he, and he, he in other words, he couldn't even leave an inheritance. Joseph, her husband, Joseph, Mary's husband had died. She didn't have anything. But here's Jesus because he's God. He's, he's, a, he's not, it's not all on the spiritual side. It's on the natural side too. He's saying, take care of her. It's got to reflect in something. But he, he had all the riches and he had nothing when he perished. He didn't even have a tomb. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know. There's a certain pride that goes uh, along with things we do in life. Well, I, I'll wear a certain shoe because it's a brand name or I'll drive a certain car because there's a prestige associated. I've often said, how many people would drive a Mercedes if nobody would look at it? Now, if you're driving it for the performance and because it's German, I get you. Okay, but he says, you know, if you're doing it for pride, how many of us can humble our pride and come down to the level that he did? Look at what it cost him. It wasn't just a cross, a one and done. His whole act of condescension. Listen, I leave that with you this morning. We'll pick it up tonight. Let's have the musicians come. As we're, we're approaching it tonight, friends, he did all of this with the thought of a continuance in you and I. And I want to walk with him. I want to walk in the light as he is in the light. Is that your desire? Thank the Lord. Thank you for your patience. We're going to pick this up tonight as we go into the communion. Well, let's stand together. That helps you. That does just as much as I'm going to close. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Glenn. <laughs> Let's, uh, this is an anthem. Down from his glory. Can we sing that? Enter into it. I need Down from his glory. Ever living story. My God and Savior came, and Jesus was his name. Born in